Welcome to episode number 32, September 6th, 2009 of Take Him With You. I'm Rick Moyer, and I want to thank you for downloading and listening today. My comments on District 9. Yes, today's program is going to be awesome. I uh, got a lot of good feedback from last week on 666, the number of the beast. Today, we're going to discuss who is Jesus? Who is the real Jesus? And we're going to do some myth-busting on what some people think about him. Stay tuned. Great stuff coming up right here on Take It With You. I'm a television junkie. And the real world stumps me. I got a lot of problems. Why don't somebody solve them? Hello, this is... No, I was going to say this is Angela. <laughs> that wouldn't that work. That would be appropriate. No. Because I'm not Angela. <laughs> and I'm not Jen. <laughs> and you're not listening to the Anomaly Podcast. No, you-, you would in fact be listening to Take Him With You with our good buddy Rick. Oh, let's do that. Okay. 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 Uh, go, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you do it first. Hi, this is Jen. No, no. Just say hello. This is not Jen. <laughs> no, this is not Angela. And I say, this is not Jen. Okay. And then you say, you are not listening to the Anomaly Podcast. Okay. But when you're done listening to... Yeah, fill in the blank. That works. It's like magic. It Great is. magic. It's funny. Okay. Let's go with it. Okay. Okay. So then I, should I go first then, since I'm not Jen? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, I'm not Jen. And I'm not Angela. And you are not listening to the Anomaly Podcast. You would, in fact, be listening to Take Him With You with our good buddy Rick. Rick! <laughs> When you're done, please come listen to the Anomaly Podcast at anomalypodcast.com. <laughs> it was like the best accidental promo oh, I ever. I know, it's what we're good at. Well, it's time to find out what's going on at Rick's house. What you're listening to is some of the soundtrack from the newest sci-fi film out called District 9. If you followed Taking With You at all, you know that uh, I had a little dilemma on my hands. Um, as a believer in Christ and, uh, you know, working in, I don't know, doing lots of stuff for God over the years, I've, I've kind of put up some standards in my life as far as what type of entertainment that I will watch and view and be part of. And some of that, um, some of those standards has really kind of across the board. I just don't really do R-rated movies very much. Um, I have kind of an aversion towards the F-bomb. Um, I don't like a whole lot of cussing in a movie. And, you know, nowadays it's pretty hard to watch a movie without finding those kind of things. But in particular, the R rating kind of just takes care of it for me most of the time. Um, that My standards are that I, I won't, uh, you know, won't view that kind of stuff. But with this film coming out, and uh, a lot of my friends went and saw it and talked about it, and uh, one of my friends in particular, uh, my friend Joe from Canada, and, and a couple others, said that, um, that they thought I really should go see it, especially with the moral implications of the movie. So um, I did. I, you know, I, I put it off for a while, and then my son Andrew and I went to see the movie at uh, a cinema, and I have some interesting things that I observed, and I want to tell you my opinion on it. off I want to apologize my son Andrew was going to be on the program with me today but woke up with a bad sore throat and so he's not talking well and but he wanted me to tell you hello and that uh, both of us went and saw the movie District 9 now let me talk about the movie there's several different things that I want to talk about first off 
I have to say that for a science fiction movie, it was it was I've seen a lot of science fiction. I was surprised at the uniqueness and the freshness of this film. Uh, it was filmed in a style that if you saw like Clover Park um, and you um, you've seen like the shaky film action and everything of the camera and stuff, it was filmed like that. In fact, when the the movie for by the way, spoilers, everybody, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to know about it quick through about a minute or two because I'm going to talk about it. But uh, after that, uh, you can come back in and join the rest of the program. Anyway, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, it, it starts off, and he's like watching a news program, like a documentary. And as the movie progresses, you get to know some of the characters. Uh, but I have to say that um, most of the elements in the movie were done in such a way that it was very emotional. Right off the bat, you get this feeling of being in a, a, a documentary setting where you're learning about history a little bit, uh, recent history, like a news program, like if you're watching Dateline or or if you were watching um, maybe not 60 Minutes, but uh, something like that kind of a program or investigation or something like that. As you go through, though, you, you start to get to know these characters, or in particular a few characters, and I was just, I was just, um, I don't know. At first, it starts off very mellow. It's not. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's kind of like these aliens have shown up and they've been here for X amount of years, and they, you know, they talk about breaking into the ship and getting the aliens out and all this stuff, you know. And as it goes, though, you there's this central figure that makes an appearance, um, who got promoted into um, trying to move these aliens that they had in in District Nine to District Ten. And as they do this, um, you get to see some very interesting social commentary done through the eyes of science fiction. The first thing I have to, or I guess the second thing I have to say is that as a social commentary, it I think it stretches us inside because it's so familiar to the uh, to the Nazi war camps and uh, where they took the Jewish people and did similar things. Uh, it's very reminiscent of racial wars, very um, reminiscent of prejudice and uh, just a lot of the social things that we deal with that you think we wouldn't have to deal with at this point in time, but we do. And uh, it was really gut-wrenching. You get sucked into it, and as uh, basically the theme of it is that the the guy that goes to evict these aliens and put them into another camp far away from the city of Johannesburg uh, he gets infected with the DNA of the aliens and starts to become one. And so there's this human-alien hybrid kind of person and the struggles that go, th- and then the chronological go through what that does and how, how that affects him. And um, so much um, riveting emotion inside of it that you, you're basically glued to your seat. I couldn't go to the bathroom if I wanted to during this movie. We did buy popcorn and sat down and started eating the popcorn. I put it down because I it just it, it turns your stomach. There's places where you see shocking situations. There's blood. There's gore. There's um, there's heart wrenching scenes. There's abuse. There's anger, violence. It it has all the elements of of reality. And I know that sounds really weird because it's a science fiction show. But it was so re- real um, that it, that's why it, it it didn't amuse me. It didn't. Um, in fact, it turned my stomach towards prejudice and racism and and hatred, and it turned my stomach towards um, war and killing. It just it was like wow, this is just. It was pretty eye opening actually, and I, it was it was socially challenging and uh, and morally challenging to watch what people would do in an extreme situation like that. And wow, I just, you know, we came away from the movie going, wow, that was really different. And, uh, you know, Andrew and I both were, we had to suspend a couple of things in our minds because of the, our standards and stuff, because it was definitely, um, a little more violent than I have seen. And also, uh, I mean, we might as well talk about the, you, you, they could have called it uh, district F bomb. That's really what they should have called the film. Because I, they've had to have said the f word over a hundred times, and quite honestly, I have no, I haven't watched movies like that, and uh, you know, they didn't even back when I was a kid and when watching R-rated movies and stuff, they didn't really even have that many f bombs in them. Nowadays, since I, you know, since I've my career and my relationship with God and stuff, I just don't watch shows with a lot of that kind of stuff in it. So it was 
it was it was offensive to me the way that they used it, but I understood that I understood why they did it that way because it was an extreme an extreme um emotional um horrific type of movie and and I understand why the character I just thought it got a little overboard, you know? I mean, and especially when he has an accent. So it's it didn't even I don't know. It, it, there was just this weird, it just had a weird feeling to it. And I finally had just to not get religious and not get all weird and just suspend the fact that they were using the word so much that I just was like, "Oh, come on." And finally it just kind of blurs and you don't hear it anymore because I for me at least, I just was like, "I don't want to hear this anymore." So I'd be honest with you. Most of the time, I would never watch a movie with that many that many f bombs ever. In fact, one is too much for me. That's why I, I don't do that. But again, I understand the concept that they were trying to get across, and I'm kind of glad now that I went and watched it just just to see the the, the moral commentary of the whole thing. And if it does anything for anybody that goes and sees it, um, I hope that it it strikes a match in the conscience of people. And that we uh, that we don't allow suffering, and we don't allow people to be treated that way. Um, if we have anything to do with it, it, it showed how the callousness of people after a, a certain time of ha- of hatred, how they could be so cruel and mean to to uh, aliens and humans uh, because of of hatred and because of prejudice, and that just isn't acceptable. It just is not acceptable. And uh, anyway, they, they did a really good job at at making you think about that. Um, so uh, there you go. It's kind of a, kind of a sad movie. You don't go, it's not like you go away feeling real good about things. You go away going, huh, really interesting. It does leave it wide open for a sequel though, which I, I would imagine they're going to call district 10. I'd like to see it. Uh, let's talk about the special effects on the, on the show. Um, I was, I never even once was distracted by the special effects. They were superior. I mean, I've, I've never seen anything quite like that. The, you would have believed that the aliens were real actors. I don't know how they could have pulled off a suit like that, but uh, wow, the weapons and the 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 way that they did the different things, uh, just just amazing. There was one in particular scene that I thought really was stirring in the movie, even though all of them were very stirring. This one in particular really got my attention. There there is a part of the movie where. Um, the main character is infected with the alien DNA, and he's one of his arms is turned into one of the alien arms. And the only way that the weapons that the aliens brought can be activated is by an alien because of their DNA. So the government uh, forces this guy and literally forces him to um, test fire all these weapons because he has part of the alien's DNA in him. And, of course, they're trying to harvest, figure out how to do this so that they can get the military secrets of these weapons because the weapons are far superior to anything we have. Well, they have him in a room, and they bring in one of the guns, and they force him to fire it. And he's not—the test subject is not very excited about this whole thing. He doesn't really want to use this technology as weapons. But they force him to do the first test, and, you know, and, and of course, it works, and it fires this gun. And they use the next gun, and it's a little more powerful, and— they shoot like a they have a, a pig carcass hanging up and it blows that up and basically obliterates everything. Well, the the scene that really hits it is when they actually bring one of the aliens in and they put a put an X on him and they have the most powerful gun, I guess, that the aliens have. And of course the guy refuses to shoot this alien. Now, before he was the one evicting the aliens and kind of treated him horrible and was mean to him. Now he's forced with this dilemma: Is he going to shoot this alien because the military wants him to as a test? And what ensues is just it's gut wrenching because he's like, "I will not do this." And then, of course, they force him to, and the and it's just it's mind blowing the, the violence and the the scene there when he kills this alien against his will. It makes turns your stomach, and it makes you think and you wonder to yourself what what people must have felt like um, in in actual situations in war like that. And I just I don't know I don't know what would it uh, be like I I can't imagine we you know we we haven't lived through that I mean at least my age group hasn't lived through that where we have been forced to do anything that we wouldn't want to do like that but wow I don't know that was just really made me shake my head and think a lot about the choices we have in life and 
how how just you know corruption and power and stuff like that is just it's not cool and uh you know when human life even alien life you know because it's science fiction is boiled down to a power and uh and uh, authority struggle that's just sad and unfortunately even though i've never been forced to kill anybody i have been in situations where my morals have been challenged because somebody wants me to do something they want me to do and i don't go with the flow and as a result of it i suffer the consequences this guy was forced to kill life and it haunted him and he it you could see his personality change throughout the movie and by the end you you were pulling for this guy to say come on you know let's let's hope that he can um succeed you know anyway amazing amazing movie um would i recommend people going to see it um if you're an adult and you can handle uh, enough f bombs to light up the living room or wherever i guess i would recommend seeing it if you're a young person um I know that sounds kind of weird, but I guess maybe you hear these things all the time. I don't know. That's up to you. But uh, I wouldn't like wholeheartedly endorse it just because of the cussing. Other than that, the violence and stuff was gross. It was horrible. And uh, it was not something to be seen by little kids. I can tell you that. Uh, And uh, if you want to see a a social commentary on the evils of prejudice and, and war and xenophobia, well, it's a movie you probably would want to see. So I don't know. I hope that helps you. District 9, wow, different movie. Spiritually, it was a pretty dark movie, but, you know, we live in pretty dark times sometimes, and I think we need to be more aware of how we treat people. That's all I'm going to say. District 9, watch at your discretion. Good evening, everybody. When you aren't listening to Take In With You with the multi-talented Mr. Moyer, then I'd be honoured if you could take a few minutes to check out my little show, Happy Times. If you have an iPod Touch or an iPhone, and if you love your applications but are feeling the pinch of the current economic climate, then this is the podcast for you. Each week I'll review a free or cheap application and spend a few minutes gassing on about why I like it or not. Buying apps over the air can be both addictive and expensive, so why not spend a few minutes a week listening to Appy Times, and I'll try to separate the wheat from the chaff. Just go to appytimes.podbean.com or search the iTunes store for Appy Times. That's A-P-P-Y-T-I-M-E-S. So come and share the Appy Times with me. Thank you. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-fi entertainment news and commentary. I am Locutus of Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. It's time once again for Words of Wisdom. I'll take him with you. This week, we are in Proverbs chapter 9 in the Message Bible. Here's what it says. Lady Wisdom has built and furnished her home. It's supported by seven hewn timbers. The banquet meal is ready to be served. Lamb roasted, wine poured out, table set with silver and flowers. Having dismissed her serving maids, Lady Wisdom goes to town, stands in a prominent place, and invites everyone within sound of her voice. Are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Come with me. Oh, come have dinner with me. I've prepared a wonderful spread, fresh baked bread, roast lamb, carefully selected wines. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. 
If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you'll get slapped in the face. Confront bad behavior and get a kick in the shins. So don't waste your time on a scoffer. All you get for your pain is abuse. But if you correct those who care about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Save your breath for the wise. They'll be wiser for it. Tell good people what you know. They'll profit from it. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. It's through me, Lady Wisdom, that your life deepens and your years of life ripen. Live wisely and wisdom will permeate your life. Mock life and life will mock you. Then there's this other woman, Madam Whore. Brazen, empty-headed, frivolous, she sits on the front porch of her house on Main Street and as people walk by, minding their own business, calls out, Are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Steal off with me. I'll show you a good time. No one will ever know. I'll give you the time of your life. But they don't know about the skeletons in her closet that all the guests end up in hell. Hmm. Reminds me of Hotel California. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Proverbs chapter 9. Some great words about Lady Wisdom. Interesting. I hope you enjoyed that. And that's Words of Wisdom right here on Taking With You. Hello there, my name is Med. And this is David Frost. You're not David Frost. All right, I mean, this is Mark. And we are the present... Mark? All right, get on with it. Okay. And we're the presenters of Waffle On Podcast. And we like to talk about... Crap. TV broadcast between 1960 to 1999. Would you say it's crap? Some of it. Really? <laughs> Especially the British stuff. But we've already had a podcast about that, so let's move up on that. Unbelievable. You can find us at the http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Do not smile when I say the word colon. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> As you know, Take Him With You is an experiment in the Moyer household of doing a podcast on a weekly basis and a newsletter to encourage people all around the world. We've gotten into 130 different countries already. This last month, we had over 12,000 hits on the website, hundreds of programs downloaded, and we're reaching into people's lives. We need your help, though. Uh, We need to pay the bills here at the Moyer household, and we want to do this full time. So if you would care to help, any little bit would help. Head on over to TakeHimWithYou.com. Click on the Donate button. Your gift of $5, $10, $20, $50 would go a long ways of helping out the Moyer home as we try and bring encouragement to you every week. Greetings, Guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. After listening to Take Him With You, why don't you tune in to Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the web series the Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2, as well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! <laughs> Well, it's time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for Food for Thought on Take Him With You. Well, last week we talked all about the devil, 666, the number of the beast. This week I thought it would be really cool to give... Jesus equal time. Got to be fair about it all, you know. And so uh, this week we're calling the episode, or I'm calling the episode, OMG. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's all about Jesus.
Yeah, there you go. A little bit of white cross and some striper there talking about Jesus. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was working at J.C. JCPenney um, a department store in the electronics department when they had those in the stores back in my, oh, I'd say high school days. And I was working away there, and I remember people coming into the store, especially this one guy that had a hat that said Jesus on it. And I tried to avoid him like all get out because, well, number one, it just really made me, the, the name Jesus made me uncomfortable. Now, I don't know why. Maybe because we just didn't really go to church or anything when I was a kid. And, and so, you know, when I saw somebody that like was fanatical about Jesus, it just kind of turned me off. And I didn't want to be around them because it made me nervous. I thought they were going to talk to me about him. And so I've always thought that's really funny how I became a Christian or a believer. And now I talk about Jesus. And, and I wonder to myself, I wonder if people walk the other way when I walk into the store. <laughs> Because they know that I'm a believer. I don't know. But um, I just remember having these feelings of of just, I was scared of it. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with this Jesus, this personal relationship crap. That just wasn't what I wanted. And I think what it was is I was afraid. And, you know, fear does weird things to us. When we're afraid of something or we don't understand something, human nature is to either criticize it, make fun of it, or avoid it at all, get out. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean, or at all costs. I mean, that's what we do as human beings. There's just a few ways that we deal with fear, and I think that's probably what it was. I was just uncomfortable because my experiences with Christians up to that point hadn't been very positive, and uh, I think that's a, a case a lot of times. I mean, maybe you're listening and you—I don't know—that'd be an interesting thing to have some audio comments on. Is how you feel you've been treated by Christians? That would be very, very interesting to uh, hear your perspective on that, because not everybody that claims to be a believer or a follower of Christ actually is a believer or follows Christ. Some people follow a religion. They'll follow the rules and the the regs. Of course, they can't fulfill all of them, but they'll pretend that they do. And then be upset if you don't. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. When You know, if you've listened to the podcast over any amount of time, you know I'm talking about... Um, a personal relationship with Christ is far different than religion, far different than Catholicism or 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 Protest, being a Protestant. It's just there's different. It's a different thing. It's not religion. It's not the system that you do. It's more what I'm what I'm talking about is a relationship with God. So today we're going to talk about Jesus. We're calling it OMG, Oh my God, and not as a not using the name of the Lord in vain. But simply talking about my God, because that is who my God is, is Jesus. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about him. Um, you know how we did the last program, we talked about the devil and characteristics of the devil and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, in here, I thought it would be really fascinating to be able to talk about Jesus and who he is um, historically, uh, who Jesus is spiritually, who Jesus is to me personally. Um, talk about his origins, um, talk about where he's, you know, where you can learn about him in the Bible, um, do some myth busting. I thought that would be kind of fun too. So why don't we just jump right in and talk about this guy named Jesus? Well, as we know, Jesus uh, at times is uh, all across the world is used as a cuss word. Uh, so we hear it when people stub their toes or or they're, you know, shocked by something. People will exclaim, Jesus Christ, you know, things like that. But let's talk about the actual Jesus, the real Jesus. Now, historically, we know from historical documents, we know from the fact that, uh, you know, records have survived. Uh, we know that there was a man named Jesus who um, made a huge impact at the time that he was alive. Uh, we know bits and pieces from different historians. Of course, we know from the Bible um, what Jesus did and, and what he taught, what his main teachings were. Uh, we know that he was a teacher. We know that he was Jewish. Uh, we know that um, he was crucified on a cross. He was killed. Um, and we also know from history, not just the Bible, but we do know from history that there was eyewitness accounts of Jesus raising from the dead. So basically, a historical figure Jesus did exist on this planet. I mean, there are, um, there's websites and people out there that'll tell you, Jesus never really did exist. But there's enough evidence that there was someone named Jesus that did exist at, this, at the time. 
and he did make a great impact in the society that he was at. So we know that he's real. Now the question comes in to is, who is Jesus spiritually? Because there's a lot of different conjectures, a lot of differences of opinion on who Jesus is. Now I'm going to talk from a Christian standpoint, um, from a biblical standpoint, I guess I should say more, uh, because there are, like I said, there's lots of religions that will say that they believe in Jesus too, but they don't necessarily believe in the same Jesus or his characteristics or his uh, who he is uh, that I do or that the Bible does, uh, because there's been different interpretations, different books that explain this or that and, and different slants on stuff. So I'm just going to go with what the Bible says about him. That's kind of what I'm, I'm more of a purist when it comes to that. I don't like adding and subtracting to the Bible, so we'll just stick with that for me, just so you know that's where I'm coming from. Who is Jesus spiritually? Well, this is a great question. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But I also believe, and this is kind of wild, that Jesus is God. Now you say, well, how, do you, how can you believe that, Rick? I don't understand. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is that I believe that Jesus always has been, always will be, and, uh, or always is, and always will be. In other words, he's an eternal being. Now, when you think about eternity, I think it's, you need to think about that. Um, it's, it's not real understandable, but you have to suspend your belief in time for a moment and realize in my opinion at least, I believe that God created time. And time is what you call linear, or it has a starting and, a, and an ending, and it's measurable, if that makes sense. Eternity, on the other hand, is not measurable. It doesn't have a start. It doesn't have an end. It always has been and always will be. And that's kind of a rough concept to look around, but um, I think what what is going on here is that Jesus was sent to this earth into the linear mode of earth for a certain period of time. And his function and his whole whole cool thing about him was to redeem mankind, to hook up man and God. And, I'm, and I use man in a relative term. I mean man and woman. Don't Please don't send me email saying that I'm a chauvinist because I'm not. Uh, but w- what is going on is that Jesus was the, the hookup between man and and God. Now, here's why. If you go back and you read in Genesis, you will find that Adam and Eve, like I talked about last time, was were tempted by the devil, the serpent. They ate the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they decided to, to be God themselves. They decided to make choices for themselves. As a result of that, they were told not to do that by God, but they did it anyway. As a result of it, they this is where you get the term when you hear people say they fell in sin, or they 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 became fallen. In other words, they became they all of a sudden had their awareness raised to where they were making choices for themselves. And God said he didn't want that to happen. They could have all the other fruit, but not that one. And they ate it anyway because the devil tempted them. See, the devil thought that when he did that, he would unhook them from God. And he was right. Because when they decided to to make the decisions on their own, that's when they lost that closeness and that intimate relationship with God. Up until then, God had come and walked with them in the cool of the garden. He had, you know, had, had had conversations with them. He instructed them. They had this great relationship. But when they took and they ate of the knowledge of good and evil, well, then uh, that was broken. And you'll recall the story in Genesis when God is saying, where are you, Adam? He, God knows where everybody is. It's not like he couldn't look and find out that Adam was hiding in the bushes. He was saying, basically, where are you at with me now? Now that you aren't looking for me for your direction, you're looking to yourself, where are we at, Adam? (laughs) And that's kind of what happened. They got unhooked from that relationship with God. As time went on, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff happened through history. And people were basically into religion and not a relationship because they didn't really know God. Um, The reason Jesus came in, in human form was born a baby, born to a virgin named Mary, and we know that story from Christmas and everything. Uh, the reason he came was to redeem mankind, to hook us back up. It's like if you're on, uh, you know, you got your cable modem hooked up um, and something bad happens and it gets unhooked, you're not hooked up to the source. You can use your computer and you can, you can do a lot of cool stuff with it, but it's not the same as being hooked back up. And Jesus basically uh, plugged the modem back in between between us and God. And that was his that was his whole 
purpose was to destroy what the devil did to human or mankind. And that's exactly what he did. Um, it's really interesting when you start to look at, um, if you read the Bible at all, you, you'll find that basically it was set up for Jesus to come and, and put things right with folks, uh, with God. In fact, when you see in Luke chapter 2, when the angels show up to the shepherds, and, and uh, you know, the unto you this day was born a Savior, you know, and he will be, you know, he, goodwill toward men, all that stuff. Basically, what happened with the birth of Christ and the fact that he lived and died on the cross and then rose again, that was that was an opportunity then for mankind to be hooked back up to God if we will accept the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross. So that's where that's where believers or Christians are coming from when they talk about when you hear the term, well, I got saved or I accepted Christ in my heart. All those terms are basically describing the fact that they came to an understanding of Jesus died on the cross, went to hell in our place, and then rose again from the dead so that if we accepted him in our heart or if we accepted what he did for us, then we also could have eternity in heaven and be with him. That's pretty cool. And that's basically what we believe as Christians, or at least what I believe as a Christian. So who was Jesus? Jesus was fully man, but also fully God. But he restrained himself. Now, if you go back and you do any reading at all about Jesus in the New Testament, you're going to see that he was one remarkable guy. He did a lot of miracles. He healed people. He spoke very directly to people. The Bible says he led a sinless life, so he didn't make—he was perfect, which is pretty hard to do. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's perfect except for Jesus. But he, but he also rocked the whole system of religion in his time, and he really made people think about what it was like to have a personal relationship with God versus having a— a religion where they went through all these rules. He he it basically described and showed how there was no way that a person could be redeemed by going through the motions. That there had to be some type of sacrifice. There had to be something bigger than than humankind or mankind's own efforts. And that's what he did. He he showed that by his teaching and by his lifestyle that uh, he was pretty amazing, absolutely amazing. And I think I'm I was fa- I'm fascinated as I as I did research on who he was, I was fascinated by who he was. And, and now the, the question is, who is he now? And, you know, if as a believer, I believe that he did raise from the dead, that the Bible says that he appeared to over 500 witnesses um, after his resurrection. And as they were looking on, the Bible says that he actually went up into heaven. And that's a, a remarkable account. You can read about it in, um, I believe, Matthew and uh, the Gospels, we'll, we'll talk a lot. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are the Gospels. And you can read about, um, you know, the the ending of Jesus here on this earth. But it, he said he would send his spirit to us to live inside of us. And that's really what he's done, which is kind of cool. So his job description, Jesus' job description, was to redeem mankind and hook us back up to God. You know, this is an interesting fact, that when Jesus died on the cross, and if you've listened to my audio drama about that called... Um, beaten to a pulp. When Jesus died on the cross, the, the the Jews had a like a holy of holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And the Ark of the Covenant had several things on the inside of it. You know Raiders of the Lost Ark? You know what I'm talking about? Um, inside the actual Ark, for real, <laughs> were, were the remnants of the Ten Commandments, the, the rod of Aaron that budded showing God's authority, and a, a clay jar full of manna, or the stuff that uh, God fed the people when they were in the wilderness um, to sustain their life. So basically, um, there was an Ark of the Covenant. Those three items were in the Ark, and they were there was this big veil, this big thick curtain that uh, protected people from from you know going. I mean, oh, how do I describe it? <laughs> I could do a whole program. Maybe I should do a whole program on the Ark of the Covenant. That would be interesting, wouldn't it, for all you Raiders fans out there? Anyway, let's just suffice it to say that you didn't go in there and mess with it because you could get killed. So there was this big curtain that separated, and the only people that could go in was the high priest, and he did he sprinkled blood on it, and you know 
it basically atoned for the sins of the people and blah, 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 blah. You know, I guess I'm not shouldn't make light of it, but you know what I mean. Uh, it was a big deal. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, it says that as soon as he gave his last breath, there was this great earthquake, and the, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. In other words, it split from the top to the bottom and ripped open. And significant there was that um, a way from God to man was reestablished. They didn't have to go through the high priest anymore, the, the human high priest anymore. They Now mankind could go through Jesus. So to have a personal relationship with God and the presence of the God of God, because that's what the ark represented was the presence of God, um, we now didn't have to go through this whole temple thing, and it was the the veil was split, opening it up for a way for us to come into the holy of holies or to the to the presence of God because of what Jesus did on the cross, His death, and then His resurrection caused us to be hooked back up to God. Boy, I hope I'm making sense. It gets a little crazy because I don't have enough time to go through all of it. But uh, yeah, you kind of get what I'm talking about here. So let's talk a little bit about myth busting. Okay, Jesus, there's a, there's a lot of myth bust, or myths surrounding Jesus. Obviously, very spiritual man, very amazing, um, did some amazing things. And there are, all, there are all sorts of religions that claim to acknowledge Jesus, but they don't acknowledge the same Jesus that I do. And uh, I'm not, again, remember at the very beginning of Taking With You, I said I'd never ditz on other religions. I would not make fun of them. Um, I'm not here to debunk them or anything like that. I, I really just can explain what I believe about who Jesus is, and then you can do whatever you want with it. But uh, I certainly don't want to get into some big war with uh, with Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses or stuff like that. But they do believe very differently about who Jesus is. Let me just tell you what I believe or who I believe he is. Okay, myth busting. A um, lot of religions will say that Jesus is the Buddha or he's Muhammad or he's an incarnation of Moroni or um, all these different things. The Bible doesn't support that. The Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. Um, he was sinless. He lived his life to help people. Um, he was crucified on the cross. He died and he rose again. That's Jesus. Here's another myth. Uh, myth says that Jesus is Satan's brother. Okay, that is not supported by the Bible. Jesus and, and Satan were not brothers. Uh, Jesus is not an archangel like I talked about in the last program. Um, only Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael that we know of were archangels. Uh, uh, Satan was not uh, Jesus' brother. So that is not true. Uh, it's according to the Bible. Now, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So if people say, well, yeah, he was, because my so-and-so says this. Well, okay, maybe that's what they believe in their religion or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm going with the Bible being the authority here on who Jesus is, and I think it is the authority on it. Um, it does not say that Jesus is Satan's brother. So we'll just, right there, myth bust, right there. Uh, Jesus, uh, oh, how about this one? Jesus was created. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, this is so funny. No, Jesus was not created. Jesus always has been, always was, and always will be. And he took on human form and was born to a virgin. But uh, the Bible very, ex very explains it very clearly that Jesus was not created. When I was first brand new Christian, brand new believer, I went and did a youth retreat where I did music and preached. I was so new to everything, and I actually made a mistake of saying that God created Jesus. And, of course, a lot of gasps came out of the adults. You know, the, the kids didn't know anything. Anyway, they took me aside later and said, Rick, um, no, Jesus was not created. Jesus was born you know, but he was the firstborn, but uh, but he's not created. And, uh, I mean, if if he would have had a human father, I mean, Joseph was his stepdad, God was his father, but um, if he would have had a human father, he would have been created, obviously, but he wasn't. He was, it, well, it's the Immaculate Conception. I mean, we don't understand all that. It doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but at least as far as the Bible is concerned, we realize that Jesus wasn't created. Uh, he f he knew full well what he got himself into, and he submitted himself to human form for a time. 
Uh, and I think part of that was to have compassion on us. Of course, his, his main job was to destroy what the devil had done by unhooking us from God. He hooked us back up again. That's why the angel said, Good news unto you. Today is born in, in Bethlehem um, a king that will, you know, uh, redeem us. And that's just, a, that's pretty amazing. Pretty cool. Christmas takes on a little bit different meaning. So no, Jesus was not created. He always has been, always will be. He chose to take on the human form as a baby. But uh, a lot of people, you know, some people disagree with that. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. How about this one? Myth busting this. Jesus didn't raise from the dead. They just hid his body. Well, okay. Uh, I'm just going to say this. If that's the case, then why all the fervor? Why are so many people... It would be, that would have been the greatest scam of all time. Greatest scam of all history would have been to believe that he really didn't ever raise again, but he just was he was just uh, you know put away in somewhere else, and nobody knew where he went, and the, the, his followers continued on with this religion. Let me just say, there are a lot of religions that have come and gone. We have main ones now that we you know we see around the world. But really, if if he had not raised from the dead, then um, it would be a total different world today. I'm just saying. Um, I believe, because I have I've asked Jesus to to be part of my life. I believe he's alive, and he lives on the inside of those people that will ask him to. That believe that he died on the cross and rose again. That's called faith. So, uh, no, I, I don't believe that um, Jesus didn't raise from the dead. I believe he did raise from the dead. And that is, that's a, a, a tenet of my faith and, and how I believe about him. So, all sorts of cool things about Jesus here, huh? Um, how about this one? Jesus was a tall, pasty-looking guy with a lamb around his neck. Okay. No, he was not. <laughs> First off, um, I think we we kind of we we look at like the middle age middle ages um, artwork for our reference of what Jesus looked like. When I think we need to stop doing that. Um, first off, Jesus was outside a tremendous amount of time. He you know he was of Jewish descent. Um, he was a carpenter. They did not have Black and Decker then. He didn't have power tools, and so he worked very hard. And I would imagine Jesus was buff. I don't think that um, Jesus went out into the fields as a pasty white guy with a, and picked up um, sheep around his neck. I think we've seen those pictures, but I think Jesus was far different than that. I think that Jesus was um, a compassionate, loving, caring human being. He was God and he was human that uh, was fairly buff and cool. And... I, that's all I'm going to say about that. I just I just think sometimes we, why do we reference middle age, middle middle age the the middle age um, artwork for all what people look like? I mean, it just doesn't work for me. Anyway, people can have all sorts of renditions of what people look like. That, but the fact is, we weren't there. We didn't see him. I have read some books that describe what he looked like from a historical point of view, and. Um, there they they describe i've got a couple of them one of them describes jesus as being not fairly attra- he wasn't very attractive um and that he had dark hair and that he had a beard we know that because they plucked his beard out when they were crucifying him um but they don't say that he was anything really super special as far as looking um but it doesn't say that you know he was this weak emaciated weird guy running around picking up animals you know that's not what he was so we can get that out of our head you know and start to remember uh, that maybe jesus was a lot different than what we have made him to be in our head it's kind of like when people think of god father god the big guy with the big guy with the um with the the white uh beard and the and the flowing robe sitting on a big throne on a cloud you know like the simpsons <laughs> You know, that's not God. It's 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 just so much more. We in our humanness don't understand sometimes spiritual things, and we certainly won't until we get to be right there and see him. It's going to be a total different thing. So, okay, so that was the other myth. Jesus is an emaciated lamb carrier. 
Um, how about this? Uh, a myth. Jesus was very harsh on everybody. Okay, that isn't true, because we, as we read in the Bible, Jesus was very caring and compassionate. There's only a few times that we see Jesus get up in arms. He Sometimes he gets very upset with religious folks. And, and we see him get more upset with people that claim to know God but don't than we do with people that don't know God. As we, as we read about him, and we find that Jesus cared a lot about people in, in where they were spiritually, um, and he, he wasn't real condemning of people. He was very accepting. I mean, they called him a wine-bibber and a tax collector and a, a friend of thieves because he spent time with people that were going through rough stuff or just living life. And, you know, you look around, there, and you don't see that very often. Sometimes churches become these places where it's a bless-me club where just a bunch of believers gather, and that's what they do. When in reality, Jesus really actually reached people that needed help. The Bible says he didn't come for the well, he came for the sick. And if you think about it today, um, if Jesus were here on this earth physically, where would he be hanging out with? Unfortunately, I know people might throw rocks at me, but I don't think he'd be in a lot of the churches that are are around. Am I going to get in trouble for that? You know where I think Jesus would be? I think he would be... Um, he would be visiting the crack houses. I think Jesus would be on the streets. I think Jesus would be um, helping out poor people. I think Jesus would show up at the at the missions and the uh, under the freeway overpasses, and um, and I think Jesus would be um, at the clubs and he would be at the bars. And do I think he would be participating in bad stuff? No. But do I think he would be trying to help people and, and love on people and explain to people and and care about people? Yes, I do. I think that's what he would do. Because it's proof that that's what he did. That's why he caused such such a, a huge, um, what do you call it, uproar on the earth. That's why today it's still powerful when someone believes in Christ. Because he was so different than everything else that we had seen. there was it, See, it was always about people trying to make their way up to God, and Jesus wasn't that way. He was always about bringing God to people. Total different, totally opposite of what we try to do as human beings. We try to you know, work our salvation out by doing good things and doing good deeds and being a good person, and, and all that's just yeah, that's fine and hunky-dory, but it doesn't get us anywhere. We st- we're still yucky and gross and still sinners when it's all said and done. But Jesus, on the other hand, when you receive him into your heart, he reaches to you. Instead of us reaching up to God, he reaches down to us. And he accepts us the way we are. He knows we're sinners. He knows we make mistakes. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I serve God is because he cares about us. I just think that's so cool. I just think it's so different than religions that tell you you have to work your way into this or that or you have to have these certain things that you jump through. And and even in some Christian circles, people make you do all that stuff too. But let me just hear I'm just here to tell you that that believing in Jesus is really the most important thing you can ever do. It's not about cleaning up your life to come to him. It's about receiving him into your heart. Once you do that, once you acknowledge what he's done, there's something that happens. Our our spirit is dormant until we receive Christ and then it, and then our spiritual selves come alive. And when that happens, when we receive Christ, when we say Jesus, I I really I need you. I believe this stuff that Rick's been talking about, what, you're, what the Bible says, that you died on the cross and you rose again, and, I, you know, I need you. I need, I need redemption. You do that, and instantly God reaches to you, and he accepts you right where you're at, and he loves you right where you're at. And that's when that personal relationship starts to grow. And you begin to, you know, the reason that I do good things, the reason that or attempt to do good things, the reason that I try to help people out isn't so that God will accept me. It's so, are you ready for this? It's because I love God. I do it because I love him. You know, can you imagine being in a relationship where you always had to do stuff to get someone to love you? Can you, you that are married, how would you like that? That you always had to do stuff or your wife or your husband wouldn't love you. Can you imagine living with that all the time? It'd be, it'd be a mess. That's what people do all the time with God. They think that if they do this, God will hate them. If they do that, God will love them. And they, and they go back and forth, and it's just a real mess when, when they don't realize that the reason that we even do any works at all for God is because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. That's what the Bible says. He, re- 
He loves us and he cares about us. And how cool is that? That's just so not religion. That's so much relationship. And when we receive Christ in our hearts, that's what it's all about. It's not about doing good works so God will receive us or accept us. It's it's doing it's living our life for the reason we were meant to, because we were created by God. So I don't know if I helped you at all about this Jesus guy. I think he's awesome, and and of course I do. I'm a believer in Christ. I believe what the Bible says, and, and uh, I'm a Christian. Uh, so that's where I'm coming from. I hope you learned a little bit more about Jesus today. You can always learn a way more, way more about him by reading the Bible yourself. I always encourage that. Pick up a Bible. I recommend you start in the book of John, even though it's farther into things. I think it's really a good book to read and, and to... Um, because the Bible's split up into different books. There's 66 of them. And I encourage you to read um, John first. And it's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. The Gospel of John. Take a, take a read. Tell me what you think. I think you might like it. I think it will explain a lot about who Jesus is. One of my favorite bands of all time is a band called Res Band. Resurrection Band is their name. They shortened it up, said Res Band. Um... Glenn does this song called Broken Promises, and it's it's a pretty weighty song. It's, it's um, I don't know, it just kind of says everything. Instead of saying a prayer today, I'd like just to play the song. And have you take a listen to what he says about God and who Jesus is to him. And this is called um, Broken Promises, right here on Taking With You. I'll be back at the end to introduce next week's subject. <laughs>
Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up every single person lif- listening to the podcast today, and I just ask God for grace upon our lives and that we would know the truth. And God, you say in the Bible that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I think every one of us want to be free to be who we uh, are created to be. And uh, I just pray that for every single person listening, that they would come to know you and that uh, maybe perhaps they would know you, Jesus, the same way that um, I know you. I, I think you're awesome, and you've been so good to me. I I want that for my friends, too. So thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, and open our eyes that we might see you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of Taken With You called Oh My God. And, of course, now you know what I meant by that. Uh, next week, I want to talk about a subject that has permeated the science fiction community, and a lot of people, is there life on other planets? Huh. Good question. I'm calling this one UFO. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. Unidentified flying object. Should be kind of fun. So uh, stay tuned for that. Or download or whatever you want to do. <laughs> Take him with you. Is a Moyer Multimedia LLC production. Copyright 2009. All rights reserved. For more information, visit www.takingwithyou.com or www.moyermultimedia.com. Multimedia.com.